This Bible study lesson was from Wednesday, July the 1st. For all those that were in attendance, I do thank you for being on the line with us. The topic was the characteristics of Jesus. We're striving to be like Jesus, so we have to know what we're striving to. So we broke down the 10 main characteristics that Jesus set an example for. Please listen to our conversation, the discussion, and I pray that it will be a blessing to you. So last week we went over, um, we talked about Jesus and him being God. And we talked about um, how do we, how we know that Jesus is God, is the human flesh of God. Today, I want to care, I want to talk about the characteristics of Jesus, which also validates the fact that he is God, um, because nobody possibly could effectively carry out these 10 characteristics <laughs> and, and be anything but God, because as hard as we try, uh, we may try, but you know, we fail, you know, we fall short, which, which God has no problem with, because just like we do our children, we don't expect them to be perfect, but we expect them to make an honest effort to do the right thing. So we're going to go through the characteristics of, of Jesus. So I'm going to start off in prayer and then we're going to go. No, Michelle's going to start off in prayer. How about that? Michelle, start praying. <laughs> Make me do all the work. Michelle? She don't love oh, me. No, oh. I, I got to hold on. Meet my boss later right quick. Oh, okay. Never mind. I'll go ahead and pray. <laughs> Thank Father you, ma'am. I'm sorry. That's okay. Father God, in the name of your son, Jesus, we just give you honor and we give you praise this evening. And we thank you for this gathering, God, as we focus on your word and we focus on your son. We ask you that you open up our minds, open up our hearts and let us receive your revelation tonight, oh God. For you, we give you the honor, we give you the praise and we give you the glory. Amen. Okay, so... Amen. Um, <laughs> uh, Jesus taught the disciples that uh, he was the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him. And again, though none of us are perfect, um, we can all look at the life of Jesus as the example as to what we should strive for. The first thing we're going to talk about is Jesus's faithfulness. Can anyone um, think of offhand? Of all the stories that you know about Jesus, which one exudes his faithfulness? What comes to your mind when you say, when we talk about Jesus's faithfulness? Hello? Nobody? Can anybody say anything about Jesus's faithfulness when they think of, of the stories that they've heard about Jesus? How did he show that he was faithful? Jesus, he showed his faithfulness continuously because as he was an excellent teacher, he also went back and confirmed and reiterated the gospel with the people that he taught because he was so committed. His faithfulness to delivering 
the word and making uh, getting us to understand it. Um, he he did that continuously. In uh, John 4, 1 through 45, Jesus talked with a Samarian woman at, at Jacob's well to whom he really should not have been talking to this woman because back in those days, they didn't talk to the Samarians. Jews did not talk to Samarians. That's, that was considered lower class than you. And that's something that you did, you just did not do. You did not degrade yourself, first of all, is what the concept was to speak to a Samarian. But Jesus did. And he talked to her at the well and he told her that he was the living water that she needed. And he, as he taught her who he was and about God, he actually stayed there in Samaria uh, two extra days ministering to her and other people. So that is a sign of his faithfulness is how he constantly reiterated and took time to teach the gospel because he was faithful in his mission and which one of his missions was to deliver the gospel and to teach of God and to be the example that God wants us to be. Um, next thing we're going to talk about is Jesus was prayerful. That was one of the most awesome characteristics as I looked at all of the characteristics, because um, when you're prayerful, that means that you're not only acknowledging that there is a God, you are operating from a realm of faith because anybody that takes time to pray and do it as a habitual, um, as a habitual uh, what well, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, continuously as a habit that that is showing that you are actually believing that there is something or someone on the other side to answer that prayer. That is exhibiting your faith in God as a whole. So Jesus was had a model prayer life. He prayed on a regular. Mark one thirty five says, "Barely, very early in the morning." While it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus, he was known to pray in the desert and other lonely places. And he often prayed all night long. His prayer were in such intensity of focus that at the end of his life, he even sweat drops of blood when he prayed. And what that is telling you is that he was praying, what he was praying for was in his heart and it was coming out. So that was what that example it was showing you. Um, I was, when I was looking at this, I, well, the thing that caught my mind is how much Jesus actually prayed alone. And there was not a time, and I was studying this and I was listening to, I think it was um, Miles Monroe. If you ever get a chance to listen to him, or you just feeling like you need a word, and Miles Monroe, he's passed away and gone on, but you can go on YouTube and you can bring up many of his sermons and just about any topic that you're struggling with, Miles Monroe got an answer for it. And he is just absolutely wonderful. And he was talking about prayer and he said, you know, we are very good, you know, with corporate prayer and, and prayer meetings and, and intercessory prayer, but Jesus never, it's never recorded that Jesus even prayed with his disciples. And he was talking about that. And he was like, because your prayer, it's okay to, it's nothing wrong with praying with someone else, but 
it's more important for you to have a personal prayer life. Prayer, co corporate prayer, intercessory prayer should all be the, the added extras. But your prayer life is the ice cream to the ice cream sundae. The cherries and the nuts is the prayer that you pray with other people, the corporate prayer, the intercessory prayer, the prayer line, all of that is extra. It should never substitute the personal time that you set aside to pray and to commune with God. And I'm gonna give you a little secret of mine. Most of the time I set my clock for 5.45 because I wanna get up at six. So I set it 15 minutes early and I don't even get out of bed. I just lay in the bed and that's me and God's time. And I, I just pray for that 15 minutes before I put my foot on the floor. That has worked for me, but everybody needs to find out what works for them. But you need to take time, you know, in the morning and before you go to bed, you need to take time to pray. And if you have children, you need to teach your children how to pray. I grew up, you know, that was the thing that we did. We said prayers before we went to bed. Um, a lot of people are not doing that with their children. And then they wonder why everything, you know, goes. That's a whole nother story. But in any case, the very fact that we have that connection where we can commune directly with our father in heaven through prayer, it's kind of silly not to exalt a prayer life. You have access to the almighty, the creator of all things. Why would you not utilize that? And Jesus showed us the perfect example of doing that and doing it by yourself. It's important. Pray by yourself. It's not about being spiritual or showing how deep you are. It's about that relationship. Another characteristic of Jesus was his patience. He was extremely patient. And um, when I was looking up at the past, the patience of Jesus and, and looking for examples, and it stuck out to me about Paul, because Paul's original name was Saul. When he was Saul, Paul was a blasphemer. He was a persecutor. He constantly talked against Jesus and God. And Jesus was patient with him. And eventually he would take Saul out with mercy and and, 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 and in, instead of wrath. And Paul became one of the greatest apostles that ever lived and wrote, I think, five chapters of the Bible. So that's what patience will do for you. And I know a lot of us, we still working on patience in certain situations because we look at some of the things people do and we just think, first of all, they should know better. And so we get frustrated because they should know better. But in all honesty, some people just don't know better. And by you not being patient with them, it really doesn't make them a better person. Sometimes you just need to exalt just a little bit of patience and take the time to show them a better way. And a lot of times we don't want to take the time. We're so busy. We're doing this and we're doing that. But God is saying nobody was any busier than Jesus. And if he took the time to turn Saul from a blasphemer to a disciple, to an apostle, um, we can take time and be a little patient with people. Um, it was Philip, according to John 14, 4, who so foolishly said, Lord, show us 
the Father. Now, keep in mind, Philip has been walking with him and the disciples all along. And they, he says to Jesus, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. And Jesus had to answer him, you know, and he did it with compassion and patience. It says, he said, have I been with you so long, you still don't know me, Philip? Like, really, dude, like you've been rolling with me for a long time now, and you really still don't know who I am? And then he said, when you've seen me, you've seen the father. Like, what part are you not getting? And I know sometimes we feel like that when we're talking to people like, what what, what are they not getting? They're like, come on now, I need you to exercise some common sense here. But some things just don't click with people. And we need to, as Christians, as believers, we need to understand that everybody is not going to be on the same page with you all the time. And that may be where God is testing you at with your patience. Take the time and show people a better way. The next characteristic that we're going to talk about with Jesus is his loving characteristic. Now, I know somebody has to have an example of God's love. Anybody want to talk about the example of a loving God, of, of Jesus being loving? Hello? Nobody's answering anything. God on the cross? That, that's yes. the ultimate love right there. Exactly. <laughs> he got what I was going to say. <laughs> that, that, that is the ultimate love and the most perfect love because love is sacrificial. Now, uh, one of the uh, examples that I came up with is in Matthew 9, 35 and 38. And when it says Jesus went through all of the towns and the villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord for the harvest, therefore, to send out workers in the harvest field. So, yes, that is the ultimate love that he showed was uh, on the cross. But all through his life, he was constantly showing a concern and a passion for people. You know, and he was seeing, you know, they're sick, they're, they're with disease, they're, they're just lost people. And he had compassion on them so much that he it took them to the cross, but we're going to get to that too. His humility. Anybody know uh, the ultimate story of uh, Jesus's humility? Diane, you should know this one. You should have one on this one, Diane. Jesus showing humility. I don't know. <laughs> well, the one that always stands out to me when you talk about humility, we're talking about Jesus, who is God in flesh. He took the time to wash the feet of his disciples. Oh, okay. He was trying to show us that being a servant is not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Humbling yourself to service somebody else is an, the ultimate form of humility. And God looks at that 
in a mighty, mighty way when we can show that kind of humility. And we have come to an age now um, in, in this world where people think, you know, if you're serving somebody, that's considered, you know, beneath. Everybody's mm-hmm. thinking above serving somebody else. And God saying, no, no, you're not. If, if me, I am God. If I can manifest myself in, in flesh and wash the feet of my disciples who are very, very much imperfect. What do you, why do you think service is so bad? Right. You know, so that, that was the ultimate example. And um, as a matter of fact, even in the biblical days, when Jesus told them that he was going to wash their feet, um, Peter said, Lord, you're going to wash my feet. And Jesus said, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but you'll better understand later. And so Peter was like, oh, go, like I know who you are. No, you, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus said, unless I wash your feet, you will have no part of me. In other words, what he's saying, unless I consider you worthy enough for me to serve you, then we will never be in relationship. Hmm. And then the Lord, Simon Peter replied, then... <laughs> You know, he's kind of crazy. He's okay with it. But that's the case. Don't wash my feet. Just wash, wash my head, wash my feet, wash my everything. That's basically what he told him. Don't stop at my feet. And even Jesus, another characteristic was his obedience. His obedience. Now, keep in mind, we're talking about Jesus who was God in human flesh. And he laid down his deity to become human, to be the perfect example for us how to live. But let me tell you, at one point, the human side of Jesus said, this is too much. And he prayed, Father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away from me unless I drink it, may your will be done. And he's like, this this is, this is just too much. <laughs> but even in what he thought was too much, he still remained obedient to the mission that he was given. Jesus was also a very giving person. He healed the sick. We know that he befriended sinners. He gave a lot of himself. And when we think of a giving person, we think of them giving stuff. And what I was looking at is when they said Jesus was giving and the examples that he gave, that they gave, it was nothing about stuff. He gave things that you cannot put a price tag on. He gave from his heart. He gave his time. He gave his ears. He befriended people. He taught people. All of that is giving of something that cannot really be translated into dollars and cents in regards to value. Jesus was also virtuous. And when I was studying this, I'm like virtuous, because usually when we hear virtuous in the biblical terms, we think of a virtuous woman. But no, it's virtuous. The word virtuous is not reserved just for women. Um, a man can be virtuous as well. And the, the definition of the word virtuous is having or showing high moral standards. Which is another thing that we have um, gotten 
so far away from. I was talking to my former pastor uh, earlier in the week, and we we always that's all we talk about is ministry and church. But anyway, we were talking and um, we were talking about um, youth ministry and, and, you know, different things that they like, don't like. And we were talking about how to put stuff, things together for them. And we were talking about some of the younger artists that, that are out here. And we were talking about um, Ty Tribbett and the song, if you haven't heard it, I think it's on one of my mix tapes that I did. I'm getting ready to do another one too. But anyway, I think it was on one of my playlists that I did and it's called Stand Out. And in that song, Ty Tribbett says, where is the standard? And he's talking to Christians. He's saying, because Christians are blending right in with the world. Like you don't, you don't know that somebody is a Christian no more. They just blend right on in. Where is the standard? And as believers, we are supposed to have a higher moral standard. We have become a lot like the world. Everything is about as long as somebody can pay me for my time, you know, or I even talked to somebody the other day and I just wanted them to tell me who they used as a resource for something. And they told me, I don't give out that information. I get paid for my information. What? You can't even refer somebody some really that that just blew my mind. But that's the mindset that we're in now. Everything is about what's how is it going to benefit me? It's not about moral standards. And actually, you know, doing and, and again, back to servicing somebody or being of service or, or being a help to somebody. Now, when we talk about moral standards, I have to read this story because this is one of my favorite. John 2, 13 through 19. It says, when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves and other sitting at table exchanging money. So he made a whip of cords and drove all of them out of the temple courts, both the sheep and the cattle. He scattered the coins of money changers and overturned the tables. To those who sold the doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. He's, his discipline remembered, his disciples, I'm sorry, his discipline, oh Lord. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then responded to him, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all of this? And Jesus said to them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. And of course, they didn't think that he was, they thought he was talking about the temple, the church. And what he was actually trying to tell them is, first of all, this is supposed to be for me. This is supposed to be for God. The church is supposed to be for God and y'all have turned it into a marketplace. And there's no, there's no, nothing, if you notice, there was nothing there that was actually benefiting or uplifting the gospel. It was all about the money. And nobody, everybody else must have thought it was okay. Everybody else's moral standards had been decreased to understanding that money was now the focus. And, and Jesus said, no, not here you won't. So he came in with his high moral standards and shut down the party the, or the marketplace as, as it says. Um, Jesus's wisdom is another very, very impactful part of his characteristic. One of the wisest things that I think that Jesus did was the way he taught. And 
if you read his um, teachings of Jesus, you will know he uses a lot of parables. And they asked him, why do you speak to them in parables? And Jesus answered to you, it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but to them, it has not been granted for whoever has to him more shall be given and he will have an abundance, but whoever does not have even what he has shall be taken away. Therefore, I speak to them in parables because while seeing they do not see and while hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. So God was basically saying, I speak to them in parables because I'm breaking it down where they can understand what it is I'm saying. Because sometimes we try to, you know, go to church and everybody wants to be so spiritual and you, you know, you're really not preaching to minister to somebody's needs and what they're going through. You're all over their head or way off, something that they cannot use. So Jesus spoke in parables. And that was just the wisdom of knowing that people needed understanding above everything. So even when how he communicated with people was wise. I mean, he used it, he used wisdom in even how he communicated with people. Jesus, of course, was very forgiving. Um, if you talk, if we talk about the woman that they were about to stone to death for adultery and Jesus stopped her and basically told them, okay, ye without sin, cast the first stone. And, you know, they just immediately wanted to attack God, attack Jesus, I'm saying God, but they wanted to attack Jesus um, as not being a godly man. No, I'm being a forgiving man, first of all. And this is what I never understood about this scripture. Y'all want to stone the woman for committing adultery. Well, she didn't commit adultery alone. So where's the man? And why are we not stoning both of them if, if that's the issue? And I'm guessing that was Jesus's issue too. And he, you know, basically told him those without sin cast the first stone. And of course, nobody uh, stood up. So the woman was forgiven. And Jesus told her to, you know, go ahead and sin no more. So he said, I do not condemn thee, go and sin no more. And I think that is something that we have to seriously work on. And I'm getting better at it. Uh, forgiving, forgiving people, because when you forgive, it opens up bless God's ability to bless you. When we hold on to unforgiveness, God has to judge us according to the way that we're judging other people. So if we can't forgive other people, then God cannot forgive us for our sins. And sometimes it can be very, very freeing to forgive other people. Just, just let it go. Just let it go. Chalk it up to ignorance. Chalk it up to whatever you want to blame it on. But let it go so that you can be free and that's so that you're not blocking your own blessing. And I know there's some people that have done some terrible things, but think about it. Holding on to unforgiveness, what is that going to benefit you? And it's not punishing them. You're just punishing yourself because in all actuality, when people hurt you to the point where you're struggling with forgiveness, by you holding on to unforgiveness, it's not hurting them at all. Because for real, for real, they don't care enough about you to care that you whether you forgive them or not. So 
you might as well pray about it, get into a place and give it to God. And then my grandmother used to say, if you're going to pray about it, don't worry about it. So, but you have to turn that over. Forgiveness is huge. Especially you, you want to want to know why some blocks and blocking of blessings is being held back. Check your forgiveness calculator. See what the rage is. And if you're holding on to anything that you should let go. And then also think about situations where you're struggling with unforgive with unforgiveness. What did you learn from that particular situation? Because a lot of things that have happened in our life, they were life lessons. And we're so busy holding on to unforgiveness that we have not even embraced the lesson. So see what the lesson was in that and then charge it, just charge it to the forgiveness account and let it go and let the lesson resonate with you so that you can move on better and reach for higher. And more importantly, again, so that you can not block your blessings. Anybody have any questions or any comments about tonight's topic? Because y'all have been awfully quiet and this is supposed to be a discussion. Hello. Yes, we are here. Here. <laughs> and, <laughs> anybody have any comments or questions or anything? about the characteristics of Jesus and how we can try to adopt more of his characteristics. Oh, oh. no. Oh. No. Me no. Y'all, <laughs> y'all not good at discussion. I mean, you're giving us all the necessary information that we need, so we gotta engulf it and make sure that we use it. But um, who else came on the line? Hello. Hello. I don't know. Somebody else came on. I don't know who it is, but anyway. But I mean, we're supposed to be having a discussion. We're disgusting. <laughs> y'all are fired. All y'all are fired. Hello. <laughs> okay. Somebody hello. say hello. Okay. Somebody say hello. Yeah, who's on the Hi, line? Who's I'm Audrey Randall. Who? And I come to sit in on your service. Who is it? Who is it? This is Audrey Randall. I was recommended to you by a friend. Oh, how how are you? Oh, how, how are you? I'm good. The friend name is Michelle Jacob Tremble, and I came to join in to listen if you all don't mind. And That's God fine. I, I wish you would have came. I wish you would have came in earlier because we're we're about finishing up. We were talking about the characteristics of people. Yes, I'm sorry. That's okay. That's okay. I don't know why I'm getting all this feedback all of a sudden, but you, you are welcome anytime. And what I will do is I will save your number and then you'll get all of the updates every time that we come online. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? No, I, I'm going to, I'll be able to pull it right off the call. I'll be able to pull it right off the call. Okay. Thank you. And what is your name again? And what is your name again? My name is Audrey Rand. Okay, Audrey. Okay. And Audrey. what's your last name? Thank you. 
Randall. All right, Miss Randall. Randall. Oh, well, we do Ms. thank Randall. you for joining thank us. Like you. I said, we're about to finish up. And we were talking about the 10 characteristics of Jesus Christ. So what I usually do is tomorrow morning, you will get a text message and it will be a recording of this lesson. Okay. Okay. So it's not like you missed out on it, but we do start at eight o'clock. So you'll still get a chance to listen to the message. And we hope that you join us on Sunday and back again on Wednesday. Okay. Thank you. All right. All right. Thank you. Anybody else have any comments or anything Anybody they want to say? Any comments or anything you want to say? Hello. Yes. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you well. Yes, okay. No, I think that um a person no, that have been Referring to what you had said about praying that God prayed earlier, but a lot of people think that just praying a lot of time is enough. Is that enough, or is it supposed to be a continuous, or is it a certain number? Certain number of what? Of prayers, like just got to be consistent in prayer, or is it that you're just supposed to pray a consistent number, or just in the morning and at night? No, you you pray when whenever you you whenever you're feeling like it. I mean, pray, there's no specific time. Um, the thing about morning and night is the first thing that should be on your mind in the morning is God, because you first uh -huh. of all you you want to pray and ask Him to orchestrate your day. That's number one. And then the end of the day, end of the day prayer is thanking Him for you making it through. So that's why people, you know, say morning and night, but all throughout the day, honey, you can trust me. I do it all day long because <laughs> sometimes you just, whoo, you know, some, you know, them situations that gets come to you and you just have to say, Lord, now you're going to have to walk me through this one. And all prayers do not have to be audible. That's another thing. Sometimes you can, you can pray without ever opening your mouth. Those are usually the best prayers. And a lot of times, some prayers we need to, to shut up and pray because, you know, the devil can't read your mind, nor can he read your heart. So sometimes when you're praying all out in the open all the time. Believe me, he that's how he knows how to come against you, because you don't gave him the playbook. You don't told him what you're praying for. You don't told him what you're struggling with. So he knows how to come after you. So sometimes, you know, all of these audible prayers that we're doing, we need to pull them back because they're, they're just feeding the devil and we're giving them ammunition against us. It's like, you know, a football team. They're not going to run over to the to the other team that they're playing and give them the playbook and then expect to win. That is so true. That is so true. <laughs> so uh -huh. I, I do, I, trust me, I do more prayer just me and God is in silent, you know, and if you notice when, when we were talking about Jesus praying, a lot of it he did alone and, and it wasn't a lot of calling out, it, you know, a lot of it he just went to a solitary place where he could think, where nothing was obstructing his attention and he prayed. Some of his prayers were audible, but most of his prayers were not. And like I said, you don't find an example where he even prayed with the disciples. And I think the intent was to show us how personal your prayer is. 
And sometimes, you know, as Christians, we get so into this showcasing of our religion to prayers have become now a part for people to show how deep they are. That is true. That is and, true. And, and, and that's not what it's about. And I want you to know those prayers, God is not even hearing. Those showboating prayers and all that, and he, ain't, he ain't even hearing. Anybody have any other questions? Everybody going to try and work on, on their patience? Hello? Ma'am, I need to work, work on, on what? On patience, having patience. Oh, yeah. I know, Diane, I know you're challenged in that area on a regular. I know that little midget that lives with you. <laughs> five-year-old. She has custody of her five-year-old grandson, and he is a handful. <laughs> but he has such a great heart, though. He has such a great heart. But he I, I had to pray about this. Huh? Did you say something? Michelle, did you say something? I say yes, most definitely. I gotta pray about um my mom. My mom. <laughs> you know, my my mom do it. Wanna do it? <laughs> and trust me, I, I I have come a long way with mine, a long long way because like about eight ten years ago, Lord have mercy. I have a girlfriend used to tell me. She said, Deb. I know your heart, but everybody don't know your heart. She said, sometimes your tongue will cut people deep. And I had to really look at it. I'm like, oh, okay. I guess maybe I didn't mean for it to come out like that, but goodness. And every now and then I'll have somebody say, well, you know, you're just so hard. And I think a lot of it is I just I have lost my patience for foolishness. So when you bring in foolishness to me, I just, you know, it goes all another way. But then I have to work on that patience thing, you know, that we were just talking about with Jesus. And, um, you know, understanding that everybody ain't where you at and, and have some patience with them and, you know, show them a better way. <laughs> so the good thing about it is we're all in a process and God knows that we're not perfect. He just wants some success. Just, just like we know our children are not perfect. And exactly. we're happy when they go to school and we know that they have put in a sincere effort. I would rather have a child struggle and get a C than someone to come home with an F and because they just gave up and didn't try at all. Exactly. Right. So, and God looks at us the same way. He wants us to just put forth an intentional effort to walk like Jesus. And if every think about it, if everybody just put forth just a little bit of effort and exercise the characteristics of Jesus, just think how different the world would be. Not even reaching the plateau of perfection. Just everybody, everybody just put a little bit of effort in it. Things would be a whole lot different. We would not have to go around screaming Black Lives Matter. If everybody just put just a little bit of effort, just a little bit. You know, I think they just so lost. I mean, they lost. I mean, so many of them just lost in their self. They don't understand, and they're not even trying to find people because they don't sell out into this materialistic world 
that fought here and so many people are trying to be like the zombies and I'm still not understanding them. that's not it. No, it's not. And they're not understanding about being fulfilled. I watched something who was it last night on Apple TV? And at first I started, I thought it was gonna be something different. And what was it? Uh oh, hot mess millionaire. <laughs> what? I'm telling you, I watch. I will, I'll be clicking sometime. Let me tell you, you has to get inspiration from everywhere. And I, at first, I started not to watch it because I thought it was going to be really something crazy. But then I started reading the commentary, and it was about this woman, and she went through. She has been through so much in her life, and she has been out there in the world doing everything that she was big enough and bad enough to do. And she became a motivational speaker. And she became a huge millionaire. And she she was talking about, you know, all of the things that she had and everything. And she said that she still was not happy. But then she felt guilty about even telling somebody that she wasn't happy because everybody is so stuck on, you got this, you got that, you got that. What do you mean you're not happy? And she made up in her mind one day, she said, look, this is, it just, it's okay. All of this is wonderful. But my soul is not at rest. And she actually sold everything she had, um, disembarked her company and everything. And she said, and now she's not allowing things to hold her hostage anymore. And she's still doing motivational speaking, but she's doing it from a different aspect, see, because all before it was about how to become a millionaire. No, now she's teaching how to be complete within yourself, how to answer to yourself and stop letting other, stop answering to other people as to what they think you should have or where they think you should be or, or defining you by what you have or what you don't have. It was it was very good. I, I mean, I, I I I sat there and I watched it. I thought it was going to be something totally different. I was surprised, but it was really really good to see that somebody has actually came to that you know realization that it's not about the stuff. You can have all of the stuff and still not be at peace with yourself. So I don't know whether it's on YouTube or if you have Apple TV, but it's hot mess millionaire. And it's the, I guess it's going to be a series, and she's going to show you, you know, be talking about being complete and all of that. Um, but this was just the first episode, and I was like, wow, I, totally. I was like, now this is one of them other crazy reality shows where this girl going to be tweaking and twerking, and I ain't going to be with this now. <laughs> but it was totally okay, I know that's I, but it was a, it was really really it was really good because and you know she she mentions God here and there I'm trying to figure out if she a Christian or not but just the, if she not she will be soon because she's tapped into her inner soul and some people you know they it take them a minute you know but uh, you know and God did, it may be just dealing with her because everybody doesn't all, always transition into a Christian in a moment you know what I mean. Look at Paul. Paul was blaspheming against God and everything, wanting to kill the Christians and, and everything. And, you know, so it was a transformation for him, too. And he ended up being one of the greatest apostles that ever lived and accountable for writing five of the chapters of the Bible. So who are we to judge? <laughs> exactly. So, exactly. 
Anybody else with any input? Okay, Michelle, you want to close us out in prayer since you couldn't start us off? <laughs> yeah, I'm picking on you tonight. I know you are. <laughs> I love you, Michelle. I love you, too. <laughs> Go ahead and close us out, baby. All right. Thank you, Jesus, this day and every day of our lives, Lord God. We thank you for this day that you have blessed us with, Lord God. We bless us for our safety. We bless us for our protection. We bless us, Lord God, that you're protecting us from the top of our heads to the bottom of our feet, Lord God. We're asking you for a set mindset, Lord God, to focus on you, to know you, Lord God, to give us the information and the knowledge of your word that you supplied into this Bible, Lord God, this knowledge, this love, this joy, a section of our life that you're giving us, Lord God. We thank you for Pastor Deb today, Lord God. We thank you for the knowledge and ability that you put in into her, Lord God, for her to put it into us, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, for all things that you are doing in our lives, Lord God. We thank you for our family, Lord God. We stand in a gap, Lord God. We pray for our family, our friends, our children, Lord God, the homeless, people we don't even know, Lord God, the ones incarcerated, Lord God. We stand in this gap today, Lord God, as we pray for them, Lord God, as we hold them, Lord God, as we try to minister your word to them, Lord God, just to let them know who you are, Lord God. Jesus, in your holy name, Lord God, we pray, Lord God, that you will give us all of you, Lord God. Jesus, in your name, we thank you for your forgiveness, Lord God, because you don't have to do it, Lord God, but you do it on a daily basis, a daily basis, Lord God, and we thank you for it, Lord God. As I pray this day and every day of our lives, Lord God, I say amen, amen, amen. Well, thank you all for joining me tonight. And you, of course, will get your recording in the morning. And again, we want to thank uh, Sister Randall for joining us. And please, please, please jump on the line with us at any time. Thank you. And God You're welcome. bless. welcome. Have a good evening, everybody. Have a good evening, everybody. Thank you. Have a good evening, everybody. Bless everybody. You too. Kiss Najon. Bye. Okay. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.